0: Welcome to Southpod and to the first in our educational series about vaccines and vaccine safety. We all know that immunisation saves millions of lives every year globally but in more recent times we've seen growing opposition to some vaccines due to concerns about their safety or potential side effects. Here to discuss this I'm joined today by consultant paediatrician Shilpa Shah. Shilpa you're very welcome to Southpod
1: thank you very much for inviting me Ruth. First things first, can you tell us how does a vaccine actually work? So Ruth, the vaccine actually works in a very clever way. What is done in a vaccine is a very minuscule dose of the virus or the bacteria or part of its cell structure is presented to a host such as ourselves. and this triggers off An immune response. It's our body's own immune response to what it perceives as the enemy attacking what that does is that primes our body's immunity. So in future very cleverly when the real enemy strikes that immunity rises up quickly and prevents the disease or the uh, infection from causing havoc. And that's how a vaccine works, in very simple language.
0: And in your experience, Shilpa, do you find then that people are becoming more concerned about vaccine safety?
1: So concerns about vaccines is as old as the vaccines themselves. We know that, you know, from the time of Louis Pasteur and Edward Jenning, in fact, mm-hmm. um, it's not new. The thing about vaccines is, in some ways, it is a victim of its own success. Because these conditions that vaccines prevent are seen less and less frequently, people become complacent. Of course, complacency does set in and causes a bit of hesitation. And then people think, well, what's the point in taking it? This, that disease doesn't really exist. But I must say, vaccine hesitancy is only part of the reason why people don't get vaccines. And there are parts of the world where vaccines may not be available or accessible. So to say that low uptake of a vaccine is related to hesitancy is probably making it too simplistic. Of course, the World Health Organization has recognized vaccine hesitancy as one of the top 10 global threats in 2019. And that's along with things such as global warming and antibiotic resistance. So we shouldn't undermine that as a problem. And we as healthcare professionals should always keep our ears, minds, and hearts open to have conversations with families about vaccine safety because the hard work of vaccines can get so quickly undermined by that hesitancy. It is is—it is something that we do need to consider and it's very context specific. It's recently we had, uh, and even in the 70s, we had uh, Gordon Stewart, who also a doctor had really caused a lot of havoc in terms of vaccine hesitancy regarding the pertussis vaccine. And there was a quick surge in the pertussis cases. And it took a lot of effort then to get that back down. So it's not something new. It's something that we've seen, we've heard about through the ages. It's something we need to be quite wary about, but it's not the only reason why people don't take vaccines.
0: Just as you're speaking, um, there, it's it's reminding me of um, the study that was released in the back in the nineties, which claimed that the MMR vaccine could be linked to autism. Now, I mean, we know the paper was subsequently retracted, but that in itself led to huge anxiety amongst parents, and some refused to get the vaccine altogether. Um, and I, you know, I remember others then looked to alternatives such as giving the jab uh, as three separate injections. Um, What are the risks, Shilpa, with with this?
1: Yeah, so I mean, Andrew Wakefield's paper, which is retracted years ago now, is still sort of in the hearts of people and in the minds of people and a lot Mm. of effort has been put to try and reassure people. In fact, some of the largest studies on vaccine safety are done around the MMR vaccine. The The health authorities all over the world would recognize MMR given together as the correct option. The problem with our UK schedule, if you do split the MMR into three separate vaccines, we actually don't know the interval between the different uh, vaccines that is required to create a good immune response. The other thing is, instead of one, if you take three injections, and our schedule has two doses, one at 13 months and one at preschool. They're actually giving the child six injections instead of two. We are also leaving the child a bit more vulnerable, but also all those extra injections will cause distress, more distress, more public health, uh, more time for the family, more time for the healthcare professionals, and actually all the studies of the safety profile of MMR vaccine suggest overwhelmingly that it's the correct one to give, and it is the one that we should choose. As healthcare professionals, we should not advocate giving the measles, mumps, rubella separately. It's also important to note that it's actually not available on the NHS. So if people are getting it privately, then the NHS doctors, nurses, have got the additional role of ensuring that know the rest of the vaccines are taken properly so that for all those reasons it's not recommended at all to take the mmr separately
0: i hear what you're saying and i mean i'm a mum myself of of two boys and i recall back when they were little babies and i remember being so worried just as you're describing the need to give these vaccinations close together but i remember thinking at the time I'm really arguing with myself about it. Is, this, is it possible at all to damage or to overwhelm um, you know, a child's immune system and do these vaccines, do they contain unsafe toxins and is it, is it not better, do you think, to let a child contract the disease and then go on to develop natural immunity or what are the risks with that approach?
1: And that's, you know, and that's an understandable question for parents who are actually there to do the best for their child. They make the choices based on what they perceive as risks. And for us as healthcare professionals, it's important to endorse that our body does have a lot of immunity. Our body is strong. Our body is exposed to a number of thousands and thousands of antigens on a daily basis. A child who is just born has a brilliant immune system which is built to respond to antigens or infections. What the vaccines are doing are presenting a minuscule dose of an infection that has a real, real serious repercussions if they get the real infection. So obviously, if the infection wasn't a serious health risk, there would be no reason to create the vaccine. So it is extremely important for us to understand that giving multiple vaccines together increases the chance of our body to be able to sustain and maintain an immune response. And in fact, it's protective. I can understand that in the UK vaccine schedule, in the first 13 months, you get the equivalent equivalent of protection of. 13 vaccine-preventable disease. So the way you remember it is 13 and 13. And these are devastating diseases. It is important that the most vulnerable people, which is children and young persons, are given that protection, which will offer them the immunity for a large part of their lives. So I would like to reassure families that our body is built to respond to antigens, and that giving a vaccine, even multiple vaccines, will only stimulate less than a thousandth of the immune response. Whereas getting the infection itself can have serious repercussions, and I would like to prevent that. Don't risk taking the chance of getting the disease and getting immunity. It's definitely far safer to get the vaccine.
0: In some ways, as you say, vaccines have been a victim of their own success. They've been so successful over the years that we've almost forgotten then what those very serious repercussions are of devastating, devastating diseases like um, measles. Shilpa, why though is it still vital that we maintain the very high levels of vaccination uptake for diseases like measles?
1: So, I mean, measles is very unique. In fact, if our MMR was entirely successful we would have got rid of measles by now. The thing about measles is that it's an airborne disease so it has far more infectious outlook than you know aerosol generated uh, diseases you know even such as covid it's Mm -hmm. far more infectious and it spreads far quicker so it is important to realize that if you vaccinate against measles there's a less chance of having the infection because if one person gets the infection it can spread far more rapidly now there is something called a herd immunity and a herd immunity is based on a lot of you know research done in the past and for herd immunity to be effective more than 95 percent of the population of that age should receive effective vaccinations to create that sort of strong herd immunity now, people might say, well, well, let the other 95% take it. I will take it. But the problem with that is that there are some children, unfortunately, if they have things like leukemia or things like immune deficiencies, they cannot take the vaccines. Or if they are far too young, the vaccines are not given to the very young ones just because of their um, profile. So, you know, so the MMR vaccine in itself should be obtained by everybody on the schedule and if that is done the chances of having a measles outbreak becomes less and once we get rid of the virus then that's it it's gone so it is important that we don't underestimate the power that vaccines have to eradicate diseases i mean we know that from smallpox it's eradicated Mm -hmm. now and it had created so much havoc we know polio is almost very nearly there, and measles should be next, but we all need to be responsible citizens for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been lots of discussion, uh, Shilpa, over the last few weeks about developments in the trials for uh, the new COVID vaccine, and I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on this, specifically in terms of what's been announced
1: so far around the high efficacy rates so a, i must admit you know i know only as much as most people who uh, listen to the news and hear bbc4 and radio ulster and everything um i have looked through some of the research and it looks extremely promising obviously it's based on healthy phase trials and obviously based on very clever people in laboratories doing all the the work that they are the thing about COVID-19 it's it's pretty unique in many ways and it's because we're in the middle of a pandemic there's a heightened awareness and everything that is to do with COVID is you know um, highlighted and it's you know uh, it's 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 reinforced in everybody's hearts and minds but it's like every other vaccine that has gone through this process it's just expedited because there is a pandemic on. And anything that's expediated can have a very good immediate safety profile, but long-term studies are lacking because obviously there hasn't been a long-term just yet. But the vaccinologists and and the um, scientists are well aware of a precedent because there have been so many vaccines in the past. So they're drawing from experiences of the past, using current research and only producing vaccines And of course, once the vaccines are ready, they have to go through the regulatory bodies to get their approval and the experts. So there's rigorous processes. Once the vaccine is available, I will be reassured that it is appropriate for us to take it. Because obviously, if it is recommended by our public health, then it has passed through all the regulatory bodies, the experts and the research that is needed. And for me, that is enough. I have confidence in our healthcare system for that.
0: But, but given the speed, I mean, you mentioned um, the speed with which they are developing this vaccine. It, could this in itself pose any sort of safety risk? I mean, could they cut safety corners in the race to develop the vaccine?
1: Well, I suppose there is a potential for that. And uh, certainly the, you know, the SAGE committees and all the public health bodies are in it together. The World Health Organization is in it together. And it is important. That we don't get ahead of ourselves we make sure that all the rigors are maintained just in the same way as any other vaccine and you're right phase three trials should be the longest in the whole process and we don't have that length of time so it is important that whatever the decisions are made are based on balanced risk assessment and ensuring safety profiles through all the processes that they usually undergo making sure that our legislative bodies our regulatory bodies and the world health organization are in it together
0: and based on all of that would you have sufficient assurance to get the vaccine yourself and recommend it to your your family
1: well for me especially i have a number of risks that i am one of the healthcare professionals who deals with children and they are very vulnerable as we know for everything um, also with uh, people who have long-term disabilities and problems and that can have a comorbid risk association so for me when the vaccine is ready it's licensed and it's available I would take it and I would endorse it but of course I'm waiting for our health authorities to be able to um, give us the assurance first of all and once that happens and when it's ready and it's available yes i would take it and i would endorse it as well uh,
0: normally at this time of the year um our focus is on the flu vaccine um, and to date this year we've seen a, a very high uptake certainly much higher than we we have done in previous years and um, and with COVID rates still so high in the community people are obviously believing that it's more important than ever to protect themselves and as you say your patients and and your family so if anyone is listening to this and they still haven't got their flu jab uh, so far this year what would you say to them
1: so first of all as a healthcare professional i want to make sure that i am protected because i am exposing myself to a lot of infections. We know that healthcare professionals are 10 times more likely to get the flu than the average general population. So that's important. I need to protect myself, but I also need to protect myself to be able to help my families and patients. And therefore, you know, obviously I would endorse it. I would also ensure that, you know, most of my uh, patients who have other comorbid risk associations should definitely get the vaccine because just like healthcare professionals, they tend to be more severely affected by the flu vaccine. And then of course, the um, usual rollout in the schools, et cetera. And I know there's been such major disruption in schools because of the COVID-19, but our health, uh, our primary healthcare teams and our schools are working pretty hard to try and get the vaccines to the children as well. So in, for everyone who's listening, I would say, You know, the flu vaccine is there for a reason. We are taking all the effort to make sure that we can reduce infectious diseases and vaccines work. Vaccines save lives and vaccines are safe.
0: Shilpa, that's super advice. And I'm sure you'll have answered many of the concerns that people have around vaccine safety. Thank you very much.